0: Listening to First Church Charlotte. Hallelujah! 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 Amen! 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 Turn with me to Exodus chapter number thirty-seven, and I will direct your attention. To the story of Joseph, we are continuing our second our second uh, sermon on a series for this new year entitled "Chasing Dreams," and so we are going to look at this story. and I will read it, verse number ten. Joseph told it to his father and his brothers. His fathers his father rebuked him and said to him, "What is this dream that you have dreamed? What is this dream?" that you have dreamed. I'm just going to stop there because I'm going to refer to this whole story. Uh, We are moving with Joseph today from appointment to adversity. Before you're seated, high five your neighbor and say, I think you have some adversity in your future. I know you're not excited about that, but I don't even care. I'm supposed to tell you the truth. So I'm going to try, strive to tell you the truth. So help me, God. Amen. So. All right, uh, we are looking at the life of Joseph. There is it is possible that we may have some uh, friends here today who you do not maybe um, know the story of Joseph as well as you might would think. Uh, and you, uh, in, in, in an endeavor to kind of get us all on the same page, let me very quickly uh, kind of give you a summation. Uh, there were there were three uh, patriarchs that are were given their story in. Uh, uh, the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. First of them, most famously, is Abraham. Abraham is called from his heathen past. He doesn't have any righteousness in his heritage. Uh, His dad worships the moon goddess. And he is called out of this homeland. And God's voice invites him. It's simply an invitation to follow. It is though the Lord says, "Will will you walk with me? If you will, I'm going to show you a land. I'm going to show you. A prepared place. I'm going to take your current reality, which is barrenness. No children. And before I'm done with you, there will be a nation that names you as their father. And so Abraham has to decide if he can take an uncertain chance now in the hope that this deity that speaks to him will keep his word. I want you all to know that your God is a covenant keeper He is a covenant giver and he is a covenant keeper. And he who hath begun this good work in you. Oh, it would be good if I was preaching to apostolics here today. He who has begun this good work in you is able to finish what he started. God is able to do just what he said he would do. I want to say it again because I'm a preacher. God is able to do just what. That's right. Don't give up on God. And so uh, we see... The, the story of Abraham. We see the story of his son, Jacob. We see the sor- story of his son, um, uh, Isaac. And so you have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I got the second third generation uh, flip-flopped, but I've already preached one of outstanding message today. Thank you very much. And so my, I, I tend to make those small errors like that. Sometimes I tend to make big errors. I don't even care. I have the microphone. So uh, here you have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we, we, we see them as patriarchs, but interestingly in the book of Genesis, the story we are told of Joseph is longer than the story we are told of Abraham or the story of Isaac or the story of Jacob. We know more about Joseph's uh, details than we do anyone else. The longest character story in the book of Genesis is the story of Joseph, and, and he is uh, awakened to a sense of divine appointment as a young man. He, he's introduced by way of divine dream. And like most young men, he doesn't know what to do with the dream. He expects everyone to be ex- as excited about it as he is. And of course they are not. Because uh, dreamers, uh, uh, particularly us young dreamers, I love claiming to be young. Uh, us young dreamers, we see the self in the dream. We do not see the mission in the dream. We are immature spiritually and we have a sense of divine appointment let me talk to you here for a moment and so when we see a dream this is what we get out of it i'm the big dog you're the little dog rough rough (laughs) (laughs) to repeat myself since i've given you a fine theological exposition here i'm the big dog you're the little dog Thank you very much. See, I knew there was going to be understanding in the house here. You just jumped right on it. I want you to see, as a young man, all he can see is I'm in charge. And you're bowing down. This is what he cannot see. God puts you in charge to serve. And God puts you in charge to save. It's not about anybody bowing down. It's about you being God's hand of salvation. And so he... From this point, hated by his brethren, they conspire to kill him. And then one of his brethren has mercy and they they just simply sell him into slavery, which is a a terrible, terrible thing. Uh, It is to take your life, not in a biological sense, but in every other way that matters. That's what slavery is. It is a theft of life, not in a biological sense. Your heart's still beating, but it's not beating for you, it's beating for someone else. And our country has this 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 terrible uh, heritage uh, of of slavery that was not even washed clean by the, the the tragedies and the horror of the Civil War. It took generations for us. And this we're celebrating Dr. Martin Luther King's uh, uh, tomorrow. That's his day of national remembrance. And that shadow of having your life taken from you it looms even today over all the nations that were. Uh, they transgressed in that particular manner. I want you to see just how low Joseph has fallen. He literally has lost his life, but his heart still beats. Yeah. Amen. It just doesn't beat for him. It beats for someone else now. His talents are no longer his. They must be forcefully given to someone else. And, and you get the idea here. And from this point, uh, he goes from an awakening, the dream. The Bible often shows us dreams as a type of uh, a spiritual wake-up call. It's almost as though the Lord says, hey, guys, I have something you can do for me. I have a work you can do for me. It's like, it's like the Lord slips into the house of God and calls to Samuel and says, Samuel and he wakes up and he says, uh, has someone called me? And the voice of the Lord, it is, it is an awakening and you have a sense of purpose. You have a sense of divine appointment. But after that if you thought you were going to go straight into the throne room of the superpower of the day and go from being a young man with dreams to being a prime minister of Egypt, oh you do not know that God is going to bring you into who he needs you to be before you get what you wish you could have. Come on, man. And so we all of us, you young people in particular, hear me. You guys are so awesome and fantastic and so stinking cute. I don't know what to do with you. But I want you to hear me. Don't fear the adversity in your life. Uh, it is the trophy that you put on your wall. Adversity is the victory that having a grit is able to win in your life. Don't you be afraid to knock on doors that are shut. Don't you be afraid to big dream dreams of spiritual coming, You say, it's hard. I say, good. Amen. Yeah. Amen. You say, I'm going to suffer. I say, yay. The Bible says it's good to bear the oak when you're young. That's why I mean to all y'all. I want you to see. He's awakened to divine appointment. I'm going to use you, Joseph. I'm going to bless you, Joseph. I am going to exalt you, Joseph, but not yet. And so he goes from appointment to... He goes to adversity. And Joseph, now I can't preach the whole story today. I'll try to finish up in the next Sunday or two. But uh, I want to try to, you know divide and conquer here. Rightfully divide the word and and group things that belong together, together. There's a lot of confusion because people put things together that don't go together. When you rightfully divide the word, you put things that go together, together. So here you see this young man. He has an awakening in him. I want to be used of God and he's taken and thrown into adversity. Adversity is going to give him four specific trials that if he fails on any of these trials, he is going to remove himself From God's appointment. It's not enough for God to say you can. You have to choose to be what God said you can be. You can stand on the border of your promised land. And say God told me I could take it. But I don't think I can take it. And when you do that, you won't take it. God will have to raise up another generation who will take it. You see, the end is from the beginning and the beginning from the end in God's time. He's not time constrained. It's like the guy who said, Lord, is it true? That a day with you is like a a million years or a minute to you is like a million years for me? The Lord said, yes, that's true. He said, well, is it true for you that a a penny for you is like a a million dollars for me? The Lord said, yes, it is. The man said, Lord, can I have a penny? The Lord said, sure, in a minute. God is not time constrained. We stand on the... Oh, I wish I could preach here today. Mm, If I was a preacher, y'all would be getting with me. We stand on the border of the promised land. And God said you can take it. But if you want to talk yourself out of it, God will let you talk yourself out of it. And He'll raise up another. God, don't let it be said here at First Church that we turned away from the harvest because we were afraid, because we didn't have the grit, because we were unwilling to pray, because we were unwilling to fast. But oh God! Awaken within us the passion. And so, he goes from appointment to adversity. He has these four lessons. The first lesson, the first trial, the first bridge of sorrows that he has to cross is this. Number one, is Joseph going to blame God for what his brethren did to him? There's some people who they they can't really uh, fit in a body of Christ because they have a wounded spirit. And for whatever purpose, they have never allowed God to heal the wounded spirit that is within them. And they have learned woundedness as a manner of being. And so they spend a lot of energy as a wound looking for a knife. Because they have a wounded spirit. And it is almost impossible for God to join you together with others when you have a wounded spirit. Because people hurt each other, whether they mean to or not, people will hurt you. And if you blame God every time somebody hurts you, you will remove yourself from what God said you can do. You have to separate the errors of people, the errors of believers, the errors of even the church, and particularly the errors of the preacher. You have to separate those from the errors that you would ascribe to God, because God is holy, and God is glorious, and God is just. Can I have a big amen on that? And we... Remove ourselves from appointment when we have to blame God for what the brothers and the sisters do to us and say about us. People are going to talk. Come on now. You have to let your eyes be heavenward. Joseph can say, if my God allows me to be treated like that by so called covenant people, then I don't want anything to do with that church. You see how it starts? And that fast, he has removed himself from divine appointment. We're going to let God be God, and we're going to let his enemies be scattered yes and we're not going to blame him for the errors of humanity that's number one number two the second trial the second suffering that J- Joseph has to overcome he cannot let this be bring a root of bitterness in his heart he cannot let this be an epitaph written on a spiritual tombstone of his life and that is this Joseph is going to be betrayed at every level Level and every season of his life. He has to get over betrayal. He's going to be betrayed as a brother. He's going to be betrayed as a slave. That's what Potiphar's wife does to him. He's going to be betray- uh, betrayed as a prisoner. That's what happens to him in the prison before he is elevated into God's appointment for his life. There's something interesting in, in, in Christian work is uh, particularly those of you who work in, in trying to help others, trying to serve others. Uh, some of you are involved in volunteering efforts here at the church and you're involved in ministry. I, I would like, I, I think it would be appropriate if all of you were involved somehow. I, here at First Church, we want to get you involved in giving as soon as possible. Because the only way you can discover spiritual wealth is if you learn to give away. Do you need encouragement? Go find somebody and give them encouragement. You see, in God's kingdom, the economy is upside down. We receive by giving. So do you need a blessing? Go be a blessing. Do you wish someone would pray for you? Go pray for somebody. Do you wish someone would notice your fancy new shoes? Go find somebody's fancy new shoes and say, Girlfriend! (laughs) Girlfriend! You see what I'm saying? You get rich by giving. We, the lesson four in our first steps curriculum is literally a personality test where we connect you to volunteering opportunities. We want you to be involved. But here's the thing as you work, through others, you move out of pure ministry and into leadership. Ministry is what I can do. It's, what, it's how many phone calls I can make. It's how many home Bible studies I can teach. But leadership is what I can do uh, through uh, leaders. Leadership is what I can do through a congregation. Leadership is what I can do through others. The more leadership you, exhi- you exhibit in your life, the more opportunities there are for betrayal. And if all, you t- if all you need to give up on God is betrayal, I promise you, you're going to disqualify yourself from divine appointment. You're going to have to get over betrayal at every level of your life. Joseph, is all does, is all it take for you to give up? Does all it take for you to give up? Someone uh, forgetting what they said they would do. Someone doing something they said they wouldn't do. Somebody betraying you. You need to get your eyes off of human failures. That is the tree of death in your life. And you need to get your eyes back on the promises of God. That's the tree of life in your life. And you need to say Lord Jesus, uh, you yourself know what it is to be betrayed. Amen. 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 And Judas gave him a kiss of betrayal in the garden of Gethsemane. And so it is, in Joseph, he has to overcome the trial of betrayal. Number three, you're going to have to overcome false accusation. Joseph is, if, if he allows false accusation to destroy him, he will remove himself from divine appointment in his life. And he will no longer qualify to be God's man. All Here's the thing about false accusation. It is always a temptation for us. You guys hear me today. Just, just, for, just for 30 seconds, pay attention. It is, it is easy for us. It is, so, it is so easy for us to serve one another yeah. That's right. and not God. Yeah. Come on. It is so easy for us to be a, a Pharisee and we want to pray as long as people know we are praying. They have their reward. And we will give as long as there's somebody there who see us giving. But Jesus said, when you pray, don't pray like the Pharisees. Go into a secret place to pray. Don't make a big deal about it. Here's the thing. If you get in the habit of serving others, you will not survive a false accusation. Because a false accusation is when you bear the shame of a transgression you did not commit. And the only one who knows you didn't do it is God you have to stand and say Lord you know my heart everybody else thinks I'm a dirty lowdown but I'm not going to stop being your man just because what they say they didn't die for my sins they couldn't raise me from the dead if they tried I've got to be God's man, or I am missing it. I've got to be God-centered, or I am missing it. I know what they say about me, Lord. I hear what they say about me. But as long as you will, uh, you will approve of me, I will live for an audience of one. I said I will live for an audience of one. That's Joseph's challenge. Can you live for an audience of one? He probably dealt with being accused of being a rapist the rest of his life. You know, in <coughs> excuse me, in political circumstances, enemies will use uh, names to to mar you. And imagine the rest of his life. Even at court, the rest of his life. Whenever he did something good, some snarky person who didn't like him would say, "Well, I wonder what Potiphar's wife thinks about that." Didn't he rape her? And the rest of his life, he has to live with this, this shadow. And he has to know, it's okay if you say, uh, I'm no good, as long as God says, I'm good. Amen. Amen. We have to make it through that third trial. And that is the trial of being falsely accused. And finally, I'm almost done. In fact, musicians, you can come. Uh, I... I this last one is is uh, very, very much a part of our lives. And that is Joseph has to overcome feelings of being abandoned and forgotten. And if all he needs to quit is a sense that nobody sees what I have to offer... No doors open for my ministry. Hear me today. I'm going to be transparent. Um, I, I I know uh, ministers who were very talented. I grew up as a young man wanting ministry, and I, I went to the right colleges, and I, I did everything. I, I know men today that they are not serving God because they believe that at a key point in their life, they did not get any opportunities. And they got mad, and they got bitter, and they said, well, if they don't want want me then i won't be a part if they don't want me then i'll just take my toys to somebody else's sandbox and they removed themselves from divine appointment in their life because they felt abandoned and forgotten you see uh, okay, so let's compare this moment. Uh, when Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him, uh, he, has to make a, he has to make the right decision, and, and he does the right thing, and he makes a fast decision. Don't dawdle over. There's a good southern word for you. Don't dawdle over temptation. Run. Run. Get out of there. Amen. Getting out of there is another way of saying, I really don't trust me. Right. Come on down, right. Can I get a big amen from all the real people? I don't trust me. I'm getting out of here. Okay, so, in that, now no, let, let's, let's, let's be, we're having fun being real honest here. L- let me be more honest. Um, in my experience with temptation, I don't have a perfect record. I don't. Sometimes in my life, I have been able to say no, and other times I've let that bad spirit get a hold of me. Neither do you have a perfect record with temptation. Why am I saying that? Because his choice to be God's man. You see, integrity is living as though you're God's man. Not just marketing it like a title. Integrity is living as though I'm God's man. Not just going around saying, Ooh, I'm God's child. I'm God's child. I claim a Cadillac. Well, claim one for me too. Integrity is your life saying, wait a minute, I'm not just anybody. I'm God's man. I'm God's woman. And I'm going to live like I'm God's man. So, he has integrity. And in this moment, he's strong. And he gets out of there as he should have. But it was a moment. It was a moment. It was a moment. He chose right. Amen. Praise God for that. Amen. Now, When you feel abandoned and forgotten, it's not a moment. It's day after grinding day of nobody sees, nobody cares. My gifts are forgotten. I've been abandoned of God. I might as well just go do my own thing. Okay, but if you do that, what you're saying is the dream of divine appointment in my life, the dream of God's hand on my life, the dream of saying, this is my child. It can be laid down because I think it was just a dream. I think maybe I had too much pizza that night. I'm not really called. I'm not really anointed. And when you lay that calling down, you're like the children of israel standing on the promised land saying i know you said we could take it but we've changed our mind and we've decided we can't really take it and so in the prison the grinding sense of abandonment forgotten let me tell you you better hold on to the anointing you have felt in your life and when the devil tells you you've been forgotten you need to practice the smile of a Cheshire cat. Because the Cheshire cat smiles as though they know something you don't know. Or, if you're artsy, you can say it's the Mona Lisa smile. It's the smile of somebody who knows something you don't know. And when the enemy says, God's forgotten you, you need to smile and tell yourself, God couldn't forget me if he tried. Can a mother forget her nursing child? A mother would forget her nursing child before God forgot me. What you talking about, devil? You're smoking crack. God couldn't forget me if he tried. And the enemy will say to you, there's no room for your talent. You need to smile as though you know something the enemy doesn't know. And say, no, wait a minute, God said... An individual's gift will make room for itself. I'm not depending on context and circumstance. I'm standing on promise. It's not the same thing. I told this story in the 9 a.m. and I like it. It's a fun story. I was an evangelist... uh, uh, my wife and I were traveling, we had been evangelizing, and I was young, I was a 23 or 24 year old preacher, I couldn't preach my way out of a wet paper bag, I could yell at you for an hour, and I wouldn't say two things in an hour of yelling, it was just this, I just was, belt. I I, 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 but I was zealous, and I wanted to do it, and people were having mercy on me, and they were, they were using me, and we were starting to have good revival meetings, and all that stuff, and I, I, I went to, uh, to, my wife and I, this is before we had uh, children, uh, we went to uh, one of the large camp meetings, maybe the largest camp meeting, um, in an organization. And in this camp meeting, the way it is, the campground is down this road. There's only one way to get to it. You go down this one road and I mean, there's thousands of people there. And so come time for night service, literally about 5,000 cars drive down this one road, all of them full of apostolic dressed up in their camp meeting best. Well, my vehicle broke down on this road. It was a piece of junk, the vehicle. I pray every day that's in the bottom rung of Dante's hell. That's all I got to say about that. One summer, we broke down 12 times in three months. I mean stranded. I mean leaving a 21-year-old woman who looks like she's 14 on the side of the road while I go hoof it for help. Don't talk to me about breaking down. I'll break you down. We have been through the breakdown struggles. (laughs) So I'm on this road and by this point I know what's wrong and I, I had tools and I borrowed my father in- law's minivan uh, and I, I'm going to get to and he, he has he, he in Louisiana he, he was probably pastor in the third or fourth largest church in Louisiana district at that time um, very very blessed uh, very blessed pastor everybody knows him and they know his car and so i am I am bent over you know how that look that uh, guys get they're like bent over the car they're borderline flash in the world you know they're like bent over and I'm covered in grease. It's a hundred degrees. I'm sweating, and I'm, I'm and I promise you, I, I, about people drive by, they see Bishop Nugent's vehicle, and they slow down and they roll down the window and they say, and I'm I'm like leaning over the car. I'm like covered in grease, and they say, is that Bishop Nugent's vehicle? And I'd say, yes, and they'd say, is he okay? <laughs> I'd say, yeah. They'd say, all right, see you later. And they'd pull right back on the road and leave me right there on the side of the road. It's funny now. I'm so glad it happened because that story's what worked. If you ever have, have something crazy happen to you, don't get mad about it. You have been given an amazing story you can make money with the rest of your life. It's stinking awesome. You should be happy for the things crazy people do to you. You should write that stuff down. Amen, amen. exhausted, tired, too broke to hire a mechanic. Literally, I carried a a Chilton's manual on the vehicle, in the vehicle, and everything that broke, I got it out and went to the right page and did it, literally. Because I'm a very competent person, thank you very much. Here, it's easy to feel forgotten. And say, man, all this this organization cares about is if you're somebody. All this church cares about if you're big time. No one cares about you if you're not big time. Okay, okay, okay. You can suck that thumb if you want to. But if you miss the day of your seeming abandonment and you lay down divine appointment because you feel abandoned, you're not going to be there. When God takes you out of a prison and puts you in a palace, we must all of us pass the test and trial of adversity. So let me end with this, and then we're going to take some time and pray together. If you cannot perceive God's destiny in your life, it won't matter if you're tough enough to endure adversity. Somebody say, I have to be sensitive. If you're not sensitive enough to perceive God's destiny in your life, it won't matter if you're tough. But the, uh, the, the converse of that is true also. If you're not tough enough to endure adversity, it, will ma- it won't matter how sensitive you are to God's destiny. You need a unique combination of spiritual sensitivity and real life grit. Oh, y'all aren't hearing me. That was some fine preaching. And that's as good as I can do right there. You need this unique combination of divine sensitivity. He can speak to me in dreams and visions. And I can feel the call of God echoing in the canyons of my life. And like young Samuel, I can say, here am I, Lord. Are you leading me this way? I think that voice is calling me this way. I feel like I'm being dry. I, are you You've got to combine that sensitivity with the toughness to look life in the eye and say, I am of God. I am ordained by God. I am the ark of his presence in my world. He is in me. I am his and he is mine. And there's no devil that's going to stop me. There's no frustration that's going to stop me. There's no loss that's going to stop me. There's no trouble that's going to stop me. Let's all stand all across the house. I'd like to invite you. It's been a beautiful day. We've had communion. I, I feel the presence of the Lord here right now. I'd like to invite anyone who would to step out of the chair they're standing in. I would like us to come gather down here across the front. We're going to take a moment in the presence of the Lord, and we're going to, we're going to open our, our heart to Him, and we're going to ask for His divine strength, His divine appointment, His divine authority to just flow over us like the anointing oil that flowed over the beard of Aaron. I want that same anointing here as part of this church culture. I want as individual believers, I want the same sense, the same sense of passion and the zeal and hunger. The first prayer we're going to pray church and we're going to pray together is Lord, let me be sensitive enough to perceive your call in my life because you've got to be sensitive enough to perceive the call of God upon your life. All you young adults, young uh, people hear me. You've got to be sensitive enough to perceive. And if you don't do good at sensitivity, you might do good at toughness, but it's, you've got to have both. You've got to have both. So we're going to first pray that our hearts would be uh, inclined enough toward God that we could hear his voice calling to us. Would you pray that prayer with me right now all across the house. Lord Jesus, as a church body, as people who are striving to do your work, striving to do your will, Lord, make us sensitive, I pray, oh God, sensitive enough to feel when you are leading us to a place of spiritual profit, to a place where hungry hearts are there, to a place of, of spiritual nurturing and spiritual development. Lord Jesus, let us be sensitive enough to have a dream, And let us be sensitive enough to hold that dream close in our life and protect it from the disappointment that is very real, very, very legitimate in our life to protect it from the harm that can come from others, which is very real, very legitimate to protect it from our own injury. When we feel forgotten and we feel alone, Lord Jesus, let us be sensitive enough to value the dream, to value the call. Somebody say, yes, Lord. Yes, In Jesus' name. Now we're going to pray the second prayer. And that is the opposite. Not not exactly the opposite, but you get the idea. God, make me tough enough where adversity is not the slogan that's written on my spiritual tombstone. Make me tough enough that just because your boyfriend broke up with you Mmm, hmm, hmm. Killed the spirit right there. Tough enough that just because you're tired of being alone, tough enough just because you're tired of being broke, that you're not going to give up on God's promise in your life. We prayed to be sensitive. Yes. Now we're going to pray to be spiritually strong. Amen. Resolute, some spiritual grit in our walk. Lord Jesus, I pray for these lovely people. I'm so glad you have knit us all together in one body. I pray you have joined us together in one purpose and one call, oh God. Lord, we don't... We, want to, we, we don't want to just be sensitive and then fall apart in the storm. Lord, we want some Holy Ghost grit in our life. We want some Holy Spirit toughness in our heart where we can walk forward. We can stand in hope. We can stand in promise. We can walk with you in victory and joy and confidence. Oh God, we can make it through the trouble. We can soar above the tribulation. We can praise you for your word and your promise. We can be strong in your word and in your promise oh Lord Jesus we believe it together oh god in Jesus name in Jesus name we've prayed for ourselves now we've prayed for ourselves i want you to turn and find somebody nearby i want you to put a Jesus, hand on their shoulders we take bless their your meat, name. whatever it is from. lord Jesus we bless your name we exalt you oh god Jesus Jesus' name. I believe God has appointment, divine appointment in each one of your lives. And I believe God has joined us together and knit us together because we will be more effective and efficient as one body than we would ever be separated, atomized, isolated. Woe to the individual who falls down when they're all by themselves because there's no one to help them up. When I fall, I hope you're there, my brother. I hope you can help me back up. When you fall, I hope I'm there. I won't pick you back up. You're still small enough, I can pick you back up. Once you get all muscled down, I won't be able to pick you back up. Sister Purple, you know when you fall, I'm going to be right there I will snatch you right back in. <laughs> Shay, the enemy's done everything he can do to keep you down, to beat you up. But this church is going to pick you right back This is Norwood. Sorry for picking on you, Norwood. You know we've been praying for Norwood. You've seen that name on the screens. He's here today. I believe God has great things you. We need Your anointing. Use us for Your glory. Use us for Your purpose. Use us for Your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.